Welcome back to another episode of Title Talk. It's your good friend Bryson here at Brady NFL. Two wise, RIP Bryson NFL. Never forget, always in our hearts. It's good to talk to you. It's been a whole while. It's just you and I. Uh, we haven't talked in quite some time, and I apologize for this, but it's mainly because COVID-19 and just how the player situation and game plan situation changes so often. Every day we saw, you know, the day the day before, two days before a game, day before a game, you have an entire podcast recorded previewing with Cam Newton and then Brian Hoyer comes into the game. It's just really not ideal and actually just the whole NFL this season has been a little less fun anyway. And so just recording the podcast, not knowing all the question marks and just the way the season's been with players missing, just... At some points, it doesn't kind of feel real, but now that the trade deadline is coming and things are heating up a little bit, we have a few things to talk about here, which, you know, we always love. Belichick meme walking in. It's definitely a classic. I know the craziest thing that happened over the weekend the entire season is Antonio Brown returning to the Bucks. A lot of you still like Tom Brady and probably watch the Bucks, and wow. Nothing makes me weep more than seeing Antonio Brown, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, potentially Chris Godwin, Tom Brady's new toy, Scotty Miller. It's just, uh, you know, Gronk's still there. It's just very sad. It's very sad for me because, you know, I thought that the Bucks wins and the Bucks winning would excite me more and the Bucks games would excite me more, but they just, they just haven't. But maybe... Maybe seeing, I would say, our good friend, but he's not really our good friend, Antonio Brown, back with Tom Brady. You know, he's potentially still the best wide receiver in the entire NFL, and Tom Brady just gets him in a league year where defense is way down and offense is way up, and they already have, like, one of the nastiest offenses in the NFL. Their defense is definitely top five. Some could argue the best. So uh, things are going uh, pretty good for Tom Brady over there in Tampa. And I'm happy, but at the same time, I'm not happy. I'm not, okay, I'm not happy at all. I'm not happy. I thought it would make me happy. It didn't make me happy. So let's talk about the Patriots. Let's flash back here. In January, I went on the Courtney Fallon show. Hi, Courtney. Um, at WEI at the time. And we talked about a few things that, you know, maybe I wanted to see happen or thought could happen. And one of these was, is what I talked about on Twitter was, Trading Stephon Gilmore. This is in January. You know, they called me a madman. Why is trade Stephon Gilmore? He's a defensive player of the year. He's the best player. But you have Bill Belichick, and you know he likes getting off guys early. And Gilmore, defensive player of the year. But the way the Patriots ended the year on defense, just the the last eight or so weeks, it just it really wasn't the same. Gilmore was still elite. He's been elite for a long time now, but now he's 30 to 31, and the Patriots, you know, when corners enter this age, I know it's not, you can find some outliers, and Richard Sherman has still been good, 
but when corners hit this age, just go ahead and look it up. It's just, it's, they kind of fall off a cliff and die. So for me, it was, you know, the contract situation, Brady leaving, the state of the Patriots. Maybe they try to transition a little faster, get off Stephon Gilmore before the draft, get a first-round pick and come into the season and and kind of get a youth movement in and try to figure this season out. Then COVID-19 happens. And since then, the timeline has been they did try. They floated Stephon Gilmore at the draft. I don't think they got anything near what they wanted to hear. He stayed on the team. You know, a lot of people aren't talking about any of this stuff. This is why, like, the Gilmore stuff is a lot more real to me than people are talking about. And I just listed all these reasons, and I'm going to go through them. But it feels like no one's... We're talking about Gilmore getting traded, but there's a lot more reasons here than just a rebuild or he's 31 or whatever to think that he might get traded. So then they try to trade him during this, quotes injury hamstring you know he came back right after got his got his bonus got a little raise I'm gonna call it a mini holdout and the Patriots did float Stephon Gilmore again didn't get what they wanted and I think the page the way the Patriots started the season it's been said that they maybe were a little bit better than they thought they still thought that they could compete obviously but maybe you know especially the Seattle game we saw that they maybe had something more than what they thought and before they would they would think a little differently about trying to upgrade a wide receiver a tight end or trading things especially after Muhammad Sanu because the outlook of their team was better than what they thought at the time and they they just really weren't prepared yet for the idea of like adding a player and and becoming a, like a top playoff team, which at the time you kind of thought they they might after the Seattle game. But things have changed a little bit since then. You know, Stephon Gilmore, has, his wife is like arguing with Doug Kide on subtweeting him on Twitter and arguing with Patriots fans, which is kind of weird to me. It always raises my eyebrow. I know I'm the body language doctor. You know, Michael Bennett, I said that, I know LB did too, and, and a couple other my friends, the way Michael Bennett was handling himself at it made me think, and I told Fitzy too at the, at the Redskins game last year that that he probably wouldn't be here much longer, and people thought he was just being saved for the playoffs. But things seem fishy to me, and and that's why I'm telling you things seem fishy to me again. And with the stuff we're hearing about Stephon Gilmore, things are fishy. His wife's arguing with people on Twitter. He has some cryptic tweets, and you may not put stock in that. But as someone with a Twitter account, it, when you tweet something, even if you even if you don't use it much, Stefan Gilmore's not just gonna like mindlessly tweet things. Like he's he can't he's gonna like be cryptic and that's just kinda the kind of guy he is. I love Stefan Gilmore. But he's a little he's being a little cryptic on the Twitter dot com. They try to trade him. They have a a young buck who's very good in the wings, J C Jackson. They have Juwan Williams who they like who made transition from tight ends outside corner. He's still kinda young. He showed some promise in some games. So they do have some young players in the secondary. And this week is so important, as, as we talked about. Tomorrow's game is so boomer bust for me. It definitely feels like the KC, after the KC game, 
week five against the Bengals, how important that game was for the trajectory of the Patriots season because they won the game and they kind of proved that they were a contender and they just got off to the right foot. But here this week, it feels like this. If the Patriots go two and four, it feels like they're going to be sellers at the deadline. And if the Patriots go three and three, then maybe they could be buyers and the season outlook is a lot different and then the schedule kind of softens up a little bit and then maybe Buffalo falls off and then they all of a sudden win the division and have one of the better teams in the AFC. It's just, it it's all dep- kind of hinges on this weekend for me, which is where these Stephon Gilmore trade talks hinge for me this weekend. If the Patriots lose, if they go two and four, I can assure you the Patriots are going to talk about trading Stephon Gilmore. What are teams offering for Stephon Gilmore? I don't know. What will they offer? I don't know. It wasn't good enough the last two times, but maybe this time, maybe the Patriots have a player trade, you know, something I would like to see, maybe like a player like OBJ, a player trade for Gilmore. And it's not just getting OBJ this year, but solidifying wide receiver group for a couple years to come at a contract that I kind of like. And just instead of spending a, a first round pick on him, trade, trade Gilmore, who potentially could be declining, maybe for Odell and Maybe it works out that way. Odell has always wanted to be a Patriot. Maybe it works out. But a player trade like that, I would be for, for Stephon Gilmore. I, I'm going to probably say that the Patriots want like a first and and maybe, maybe like, two, maybe would two seconds do it? I don't It depends on how high they are. But I think a team like the Titans, the 40, especially the 49ers, a team that the Patriots are getting ready to play, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be just on the verge, and especially with the fall of the defense and the way injuries are go, are going to be interested in trading for Stephon Gilmore. The Patriots would would save ten million dollars, and I would I would weep a little bit because it's kind of the end of an a certain era. Stephon Gilmore's been my he's like my favorite corner of all time now. Like Stephon Gilmore is it for me, but. It's kind of if they go two and four, the season outlook is just much different, and we're all we're all gonna weep when Joe Tooney and Stephon Gilmore get traded. And speaking of Joe Tooney, if it were me personally, I would like the Patriots to pay Joe Tooney. He's an awesome player. He's an awesome guy, and instead of paying two guards, perhaps I'll deal with Shaq Mason too. I'd rather deal Shaq Mason than Joe Tooney and just pay Joe Tooney at instead of keeping two guards, but who knows what the Patriots are going to do. I'm not real sure. Maybe they maybe they do just let Tooney go, and if they can get more than what they think they'll get for a comp pick with him, they'll just let him go. So that's the worst-case scenario here, where the Patriots are 2-4, and four, and they're on the lines thinking about dealing guys like Stephon Gilmore, and maybe it actually happens. I think that's that's the most interesting thing about this deadline to me is if Stephon Gilmore stays on the roster, if they're two and four, because I think if not, the Patriots are would definitely try trading him again. I don't know, two and four. That would be a bad look. That would make me feel very bad. The season would feel very over. But if the Patriots are three and three, then potentially maybe they're buyers. Maybe the Patriots swing a trade for Evan Ingram or Golden Tate. Or somehow the Falcons decide that they just want to save some money in the future instead of 
doing a deal in the spring and just eat Julio's dead cap and you get a trade for Julio Jones and you're three and three. The pieces on the offensive line are going to come back. Everyone's going to be healthy. Our hero, Isaiah Wynn, will be left tackle again. You have Unwayno, who's been very good. Shaq Mason, Joe Tooney. You know, Luminor hurts, stinks, but maybe the offensive line will still be very good to me. So if they are 3-3, three and three, then they're in great position to trade for a weapon. I know Bird's been kind of better than a lot of people thought. Nikhil Harry, eh, dare I say, eh. Jacoby Myers, Julian Edelman's just, he, I wouldn't say he's done, but uh, he's very, Julian Edelman's very beat up. It's just hard to expect a lot from Julian Edelman, who I love very much when he's so beat up. But if you, you could swing a trade for one of these players, and especially Golden Tate, who's still kind of explosive, can make plays, would be the Patriots' best wide receiver. And how about just throw to the Aki Bowl? How about that? Cam Newton's having a little bit of trouble throwing right right now. If you look on next-gen stats, the charts are kind of odd. And Aki Bowl, Asiasi, Asiasi, however you want to say his name, has been open a few times. And Cam's just kind of missed him and hasn't been throwing right. And I'm not really sure why, but... You know, if they could just use Ike Bowl just a little bit more. If you had a guy like Tate or Ingram or someone that could eat the middle a little bit, OBJ, an outside guy, Julio, these outside guys, then the offense would uh, benefit wildly from this because their pass game right now just isn't really to be respected. I know in the last two games, Cam's had a 20 QBR and, the pass offense hasn't looked great at all. So if they are 3-3, three and three, and you can still maybe hold on, win the division, baby steps at a time here, maybe you do swing a trade here, and try to upgrade the, the offense a little bit, which has been frustrating for me, to say the least, maybe more so than others, especially after watching the Seattle game. Maybe the Seattle game... You know, if the Patriots are two and four, maybe we'll look at back at it and say it's uh, just a total uh, doesn't count at all, and just was an aberration. And the Patriots' offense would never hit that ceiling ever again after the Raiders game, the Chiefs game without Cam, granted, and the Broncos game. Just the offense kind of throwing up duds, low key. They had thirty six points against the Raiders, but the passing offense, like I said, the league. The Broncos were cover zero, not respecting the, the Patriots' pass game at all and forcing on the run game. And I just think the Patriots need some upgrades on offense. They need better weapons. Weapons. Weapons with a Z. Weapons. Bring me all the weapons. I don't care who it is. <sighs> I'm still weeping about AB to the Bucks. <laughs> Speaking of weapons. But if the Patriots, depending on this week, it will change the entire outlook of the season if they're 2-4, and four, and the same goes if they're 3-3 three and three, and they can string some games together here and, and a little bit of a softer schedule, which I think they could do also. But, this, you know, this Niners team, they're not, they're not that great. I don't think they're that much. If they are better than the Patriots, a lot of the metrics will show you that the Niners are just slightly a better team. Their yards per play, they're a little worse. Um, Jimmy G has been not good this season, and Cam's been probably better given what he's had, but still, 
I mean, Jimmy G versus Cam is, I don't feel like they made a mistake on Jimmy G at all. He's been not good at all. So I'm not scared of Jimmy G. The yards per play on the passing game is they've been dinking dunking a whole lot. The run game is all is awesome. George Kittle is awesome, but it kind of seems like the Patriots are also this year the run defense has been a little bit better. And against the Broncos, it was a little suspect. So maybe you know the only hope for the Niners really is to just run the ball on the Patriots because I don't I don't think Jimmy G is going to be able to get it done on the Patriots secondary here. So the Patriots can just stop the run against the Niners. They should be able to limit this offense a whole lot, get them into obvious passing situations, make Jimmy play from behind. Because, you know, Jimmy struggled a whole lot here in practice. So I think maybe it could be safe to say that he's going to struggle again against the Patriots tomorrow against Bill Belichick once again. It's disappointing that I don't get a Patrick Chung-George Kittle matchup, which would be kind of fun. Maybe Kyle Duggar takes George Kittle. But I think the secretary is going to do a really good job once again. But it's all about the run defense here. Stopping those long drives from San Francisco. And the Patriots passing offense just has to be better. Uh, the this Niners have a phenomenal run defense. The Patriots have a phenomenal run game when all the offensive line has been healthy. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to see. But if the Patriots can't run the ball and against this Niners defense and they struggle to pass the ball again and get an obvious obvious passing downs, which really isn't ideal for them either at this point with the weapons they have. And, you know, I've said, you know, not to be too hard on Cam, I said before the season, that's the reason why I didn't want to see Tom Brady here is actually just because of the weapons and and just the way how frustrating the offense is. I think the way the offense is set up, most quarterbacks in the NFL would struggle with us offense. I don't care if it's Brian Hoyer, Jared Stidham, like this is going to be – this quarterbacks would struggle to play in this offense. And that being said – Cam's been disappointed a little bit too at times, but at times he's carried and been really good. So I just want to see great Cam this week, great Patriots this week. Maybe they can come out, they can prove they can pass the ball. They had a couple bright spots their receivers did, granted against the Broncos. But, you know, maybe we see a big game from Harriet and the Patriots just pull one out of their butts and beat the Niners and hold on this week. Uh, I think the Niners are, I think the is are the Patriots minus two? I think the Niners are minus two. And the Niners are favored by two, I think. Double check. It seems like an odd line to me on the left coast. I don't know about this one. I don't have a very good feel about the Patriots all year. They've been boom or bust for me anyway, trying to bet money on them, which I haven't, but I, I save the spreads and stuff, so my butt's kind of on the line in that way. But... <sighs> Always give my score. I feel bad against it about saying 35. I'm not going to lie. Saying 35 today would be extremely dishonest for me after the things I've seen from the Patriots offense the last couple weeks. I'm going to say the Patriots win this game. 24 to 22. How's that sound? Patriots 24 Niners 22. I think this is a totally totally winnable game. That being said, it, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if the Niners won either. But the Patriots, if they just fix a little bit of their, clean up a little bit of their messes, the offensive line plays better. Cam Newton plays a little bit better, which those are things normally I can count with the Patriots to do. The defense has played pretty good. 
granted against the Broncos and some other teams, but the defense has improved a little bit. Just think the Patriots get it done this week. If they don't, we're all going to be weeping. The season is going to be extremely depressing, I think, in my opinion. After that, it's going to be hard to compete for the AFC East and that seventh spot in the playoffs now, especially the way the season started here. So the Patriots, they need this game. This feels like it's a definitely a must-win must game, but it feels like one of the most important games I can remember in quite some time in the regular season. I think I've counted the Patriots have gone 5-4-0 and and or better. They've swept September, and I think five times since 2001. That's a lot. And if the Patriots start 2-4, and four, I feel very bad. And the thing is, the Patriots are 6-8 and eight in their last 14 games. They're 6-8 and eight in their last 14 games. So at some point, you know, if they lose this game, it's going to pain me to say maybe they just kind of are what they are. But hopefully in the next time we talk, it's because the Patriots did win and Cam Newton was better and thrown to our boy Devin. And Gilmore stays on the Patriots. Joe Tooney gets an extension. The offense starts looking a little better. Nikhil Harry has a really big game. I hope all of these things happen. But my gut, which you know hasn't been right a whole lot for me this season for the Patriots, my gut kind of tells me that this is going to be kind of a tough one, and I'm feeling like I'm going to be weeping afterwards, but it would not shock me if the Patriots go 2-4, and four, trade Siphon Gilmore, and become sellers. We don't love it. We actually hate it. And we hate it a lot, and I have tears in my eyes right now just thinking about it. So I have one Jim Corner story after we wept about the Patriots for 20 minutes. How about this? If you're a dude bro, bro dude, or bro dude woman, whichever, like me, you know, because I do like to lift weights occasionally, and I'm a bit of a runner now, dare I say, but when you're at the gym, that's all you, like, you don't have to impress, you're not going to impress me with, like, curling, whatever you are, like, the people who curl in the gym with their entire body, like, first of all, what are you doing? Second of all, you're not using your biceps. Third of all, you're going to break your neck. I hope you have insurance. And fourth of all, it's it's extremely cringe for my eyes. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cringe for my eyes. Watching you body curl, um, like casually body curl like 75 pounds. Like, like let's just, just do the curls. Like, be normal. Like, just do the curls normally. Don't cur- curl with your whole body. Like, I get it. It's arm day. Like you want to, you want to look good today. You want to get that pump going. But how about just like not worrying about it? Because me personally, I don't care how much weight I have in the bar. Sometimes I do really lightweight. Uh, it doesn't matter to me at all what I look like or what people, how people, um, how strong I appear to people. Because I really don't care <laughs> anyway. But like, just, just like be normal. Just be normal in the gym. You're not impressing anyone. And when you break your back, I don't want to have to hop off the treadmill and call an ambulance for you. So let's stop crawling with our entire bodies at the gym. Let's 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 just go ahead and stop. There's a lot of life lessons here in Gym Corner, but it, the most important one definitely it's definitely up there. To you know, you can, I would say you can crawl in the squat rack. It's it's got to be you either have to 
this is one of those times where you actually have to like be impressive. Like you have to at least curl 135 or if you're like doing just the bar, you have to do it like 50 times or something crazy for you to like take a squat rack out of use and curl in there. That's, that's one of the times, it's one of the only times I will get a, give a disclaimer here. So you can't really curl in the squat rack. Please don't do that either. Unless you're like curling big boy weight. And then at that point, like go ahead and I'm going to be proud of you for, I'm not going to tell you that, but I'm going to be proud of you for curling over 135 in the squat rack because it's kind of a, it's kind of a dominant move there. So I actually love to see that. But if you're, if you're curling with your whole body no. even if you do you have 135 now, no, no, just don't. I know at one point I was supposed to have a scheduled curl off with Chris Hogan, but since then he's uh, cowardly left left and departed the Patriots and returned to Ghost Forum. I don't know. I don't even know. Can anyone like name name the team Chris Hogan's on in your head right now? You have five seconds. Think about it. Where's Chris Hogan playing? See, I told you you didn't know. But we were supposed to have a curl off, and you know Chris ran from it. So don't be like Chris. Don't be like the curling with your whole body guy unless you're and don't curl in the squat rack, squat rack unless you're doing 135 or you're just doing like some impressive stuff. And then then I will applaud you. So, you know, this is a big week for Patriots Patriots land. Just want to give a shout out to my guy at Fitzy GFY, uh, Courtney Fallon feats at Patriots seventh ring. At you know, LB at Cam Gronk Nanez, Alonzo, he's on there as well. And all the other friends I have on here, I'm glad you guys listen, tune in. Uh, you guys keep me straight sometimes. And shout out to Via too. He's he's definitely the worst quarterback in the chat. Thanks for listening, y'all. And uh, I don't know if we love it, but we love it. Yeah, we love it. <laughs>